Only Three Lads is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast family, home to some of the best music podcasts on the planet. Visit PantheonPodcast.com to discover more. And if you like what we do on O3L, we kindly ask you to please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the show on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on right now. It really helps us more than you know. Welcome to 1980. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Only Three Lads podcast, where we take a look at the golden age of alternative music from 1974 to 1999. I am Uncle Greg, and this week we are looking at our top five albums of 1980. Of course, Brett Vargo, our music PhD, is here, and Ooh. Ambassador Bueno, he's also here this week, as always. Music PhD? PhD. I like it. Whoa! I'm a I certified doctor now. Thank you, Greg. Yeah, I, I think you should be because you teach me so much more about music and bands that I never heard and stuff that I like. Bueno, you do the same thing. I just hear new bands that I've never heard of, never thought of, and it's like, wow, why didn't I like these guys 25 years ago? Or you did, but you just forgot about them. That's all. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe the song didn't stick with me. Yeah. But I'll tell you, this new list this week, top five albums of 1980, you know, the post-punk era a lot of great music came out in 1980. Cool, this yeah. list was kind of hard mm-hmm. to do for me this week, yep. but I just picked the ones that I knew and the ones that had some influence, and I hope that my list resonates with people. I'm sure it will. For sure. What I did with mine, I actually decided to uh, go with my heart on all of these because I met some of these bands in that year of 1980, so uh, got some stories. That's good. Nice. I went with some of my very favorites. Um, the last two were a little troubling, so... I had to soul search for them. As you were overlooking the beach. Beautiful Pacific coastline. (laughs) It came to me on a flaming pie. Like I told you it was. It's Brett's tough life. I know. It is a tough life. But it is befitting of a music PhD. It is. I know. Up there in northern San Diego. (laughs) Yeah. No crime, just happiness. Just you happiness. have to make All that rainbows, decision. On that number unicorns, one. everything. <laughs> Red yeah. has the life. Yeah. The one thing about the '80s, and I've said this before, though, is that there's so many different bands with different sounds from the '80s because there were so many different record labels that there was so much different things coming out. And I just don't think we have that in this era anymore. And Not that's why close. music of the '80s is so awesome. I mean, yeah. there's still songs and bands and albums that just resonate today and they don't even they stand the test of oh, time. they're definitely timeless oh yeah. yeah i mean just think of everything just the breadth of music that came out in 1980 it was touched with sadness of course because even at six yep. years old at the tail end of the year with uh, john lennon's murder yep. i really experienced uh, a sense of loss for the first time because wow, i was already yeah, that was a tough huge day. beetle nut yeah never forget I remember it. that it was all over yep. the news i was i guess around 10 yeah and i was watching down. monday night football with howard cosell yeah. he reported it I just remember it being the hugest thing, and yep. he was dead. It was just crazy. Yep. And then, of course, in 81, you know, MTV, that's what introduced a lot of this music to me because growing up in Phoenix, you had, you know, hard rock or classic rock, what we call now, and we had country. And anything with the synthesizer, uh, it was organ music for maybe gospel. That was it. But then I finally, it opened a window for me of something else is out there. Phoenix yep. is not, the, you know, the, the, the center of the universe, and thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Something weird is afoot. Yeah, exactly. Well, at that point, K Rock already opened my eyes. Head and edge, man, to yeah. this very day. So, you guys ready to do our list? Yes, let's do it. Let's All right. It. Well, I'm first this week. And of course, this is the top five albums of 1980. And uh, my number five album is 14 minutes and 22 seconds of fun. It's the Oingo Boingo EP. Now, I stumbled oh, upon yeah. this EP. Uh, it's pretty much a relic in Bueno. You probably remember this one. I EP, owned it. I you owned did? It. If yeah, you had it, you could probably get a lot of money on Amazon right now because the EP no. was never released on CD, only on cassette and vinyl 10 and, and 12 vinyls. inch. Yep. yep. And the uh, EP really spotlights Danny Elsman's genius as it really, that circus music feel that you got from Oingo Boingo with ska. And then, you know, you had that jazz rock influence. Many bands influenced by Oingo Boingo, even Nirvana. Now, on this EP, there's a primitive version of Only Aladdin. 
Violent Love is Elfman's swing at a blues song. Then there's Ain't This the Life. so bad it really displays Elfman's song structure style that really defined the band with horns, guitars, and that African-inspired percussion. I mean, Record Day 2020 was a bust because of COVID-19, but if you ever find this EP, grab it. You'll be a winner. That's my number five, the Oingo Boingo EP. That's a great, great EP. Oh, my gosh. I have not heard it. Oh, are oh, you kidding me? I, I got that at Licorice Pizza in Reseda. Oh. Yeah, 1980 when that thing came out. Nope. What you should do when next time you go out to that record store, that could be the needle in the haystack you look for. Yeah. So never know. You, you definitely find that. You definitely got to pick that up. That's a great find. So. And it's very rare. It's very rare. So. so my number five, so there's a little bit of a story. Sorry, guys, but it begins here on October 15th, 1980. I was standing in the front of the line waiting to see a, an artist at the Roxy in West Hollywood with uh, my friend Randy. And uh, this, this clown comes up to me. And I mean, not a clown dressed a clown, but this <laughs> guy comes up to me. And literally starts getting in my face saying, oh, oh, you think you're just cool because you're the first in line. And the guy literally throws a punch at me. I actually duck it. And then I come up with a right hand and I flatten the guy. And as the security guard saw the whole, saw the whole incident, they actually picked the guy up and dragged him off, escorted him off the property. And yes, this was back then in 1980 and it was for Steve Hackett Defector. This album is an incredible record. And yes, I thought I was cool, but not showboating that I was the first in line. <laughs> so uh, this, this tour was, uh, was to promote... Uh, my number five defector, and which is the fourth uh, studio album by English guitarist and songwriter Steve Hackett, released in June of 1980 on Charisma Records. And after touring in support of his previous album, Spectral Mornings, uh, Hackett took his band into West Wessex uh, Sound Studio to record a follow-up, and many fans considered this to be his last album from his classic solo period. So. I mean, this album remains to be uh, Hackett's highest charting album in the UK, reached number nine. Uh, the show is an incredible song that was released as a single. In 2005, they remastered it on Virgin uh, Records, and uh, this is incredible music this guy put together. So uh, once he finished touring from his previous record, Hackett wanted to capitalize on the commercial momentum that he had achieved by releasing new material from a follow-up with his touring band prior to recording it in the studio. So this album is a collection of songs described underlying theme. There's a lot of heavy, uh, incredible feelings from the idea of someone being trapped in a cataclysmic situation in the, the broadest sense of the word and having to move away to something else. But if you guys have never heard this record, you've got to put this on a needle down on this music. It is some cutting edge production. And In my opinion, there could have been at least two other singles released off of this record, The Steps and, uh, man, and Jacuzzi. So I've I really enjoyed listening to this this last weekend with my headphones on, and that's my number five for the top five albums from 1980, Steve Hackett, Defector. I'll have, have to write listened? that one down. Never miss that with a Genesis fan. Me? Old knucklehead Smith going to clean your <laughs> clock. <laughs> yes, yes. I was yes. not expecting that one from you, Bueno. I told you. I should have, but I didn't. I was expecting Buddy Hackett from you. Maybe Buddy Hackett? Or maybe you thought maybe I was going to pick like Duke from Genesis, because that came out in the same year, and actually I went to that concert too. I think you made the right choice. 
All right. Well, my number five, I finally decided on about an hour ago. So here we go. I whittled it down to about eight contenders. But because I've been on a kick of listening to this band lately, I went with Kaleidoscope, which is the third album by Susie and the Banshees. Kaleidoscope is a fitting name for the album from its Technicolor artwork to the very kaleidoscopic textures of the music contained therein. After a patchy sophomore album in 1979's Join Hands, Kaleidoscope introduced the Banshees as the world would come to know them to this day. Now she's in purple, now she's a turtle. Disintegrating Christine, the strawberry girl Christine. With Susie Sue and bassist Steve Severin now augmented by former magazine guitarist John McGue and especially former Slits drummer Budgie, who, of course, Susie would later marry, the band shed their abrasive punk rock past for something even darker, more atmospheric, otherworldly, and completely their own. With the release of Kaleidoscope, Bauhaus's In the Flat Field, The Cure's 17 Seconds, and Joy Division's Closer, 1980 could lay as much claim as any as Year Zero for goth rock. It was also as stable a lineup as the band ever had, lasting for a whopping three albums before McGew left. This is a dizzying, dark, ethereal masterpiece with each track occupying its own color of the kaleidoscope. The band employed electronic flourishes to great effect on tracks like Red Light and Tenant, played it slinky on Trophy and Hybrid, and even at its most poppy commercial moments, the top 30 UK singles Happy House and Christine, their subversive commentaries on respectively the outwardly perfect dysfunctional family and schizophrenia. Rising number five on the UK album charts and leaving an indelible mark on bands from Altered Images to The Cure, Kaleidoscope by Susie and the Banshees is a post-punk landmark and my number five for this week. Great pick. Incredible Love record. it. Been it listening is... to it a lot lately. I've been listening to a lot of Peekaboo. Peekaboo, yeah. Yeah. That came later, of course, but if I'm, we're talking Susie. Yes. Up to me, my uh, number four here on this top five albums of 1980. Now, critics at the time called this album... Uh, the perfect balance between creativity and mainstream success. It reworked glam rock with themes of avant-garde and with synthesizer, of course. My number four is David Bowie, Scary Monsters, and Super Creeps, released September 12th, 1980. Now, many say Scary Monsters is Bowie's last great album. Some say the album is inconsistent, but like David Bowie, Scary Monsters may be an acquired taste, but Ashes to Ashes, it revisits the story of Major Tom's teenage wildlife. Bowie even predicted the image-obsessed 80s here with this record and that song, Fashion. The album is great because, you know, the contrast I like since I'm a huge Pixies fan. Uh, it's got chaos and order and everything in between. Uh, it really came at the end of another Bowie phase, but what an ending. It's got new romantic, conventional rock, Euro dance with an electronica edge. Uh, David Bowie, if Scary Monsters is not in your collection, you really should go back and visit it. And that's my number four of the top five albums of 1980. Thanks for picking that's, that. That was yes. one that I you had to welcome. excise. Me too. Probably well, I'm glad in my that top I did. 15 or so. Oh, I love that album. For That's sure. a great record. Ashes to Ashes. That was one of the songs I remember MTV first singing. And just like, it was so different. And it was at that time. And it was just something, and like the new romantic didn't get a lot of play on MTV. But when David Bowie did it. Ashes to And then, of course, after that album came 
uh, Let's Dance. And then he re-recorded his song with Iggy Pop, China Girl. And he then became this huge commercial success. He was already a huge commercial success. Oh, he was just different. He had faces. Oh, it's just one of a kind, guys. Yep. Bowie oh, had his rough sure patch was. in the 80s, but he was consistently brilliant throughout his life. Yeah, he was. He Plus, I'm very thankful because I told you guys before, there was a Jim Beam, you know, reserve concert with him I went to in the 90s. It was in a little small club, played all the hits. Gosh, I'm so glad I got to see that. That's one of those yeah, things. I think, you know, like right before you die, your life flashes before your eyes. Yeah. Well, that's I don't one know. Of the things that will but... flash. Oh, we're all going to die at some point. But yeah. when I do it, I'm going to definitely think, yeah, thank God I'm there. Well, hopefully it's a long time from now, but well, I'm saying it happens. Thanks for a sobering dose of realism. Yeah. You're welcome. That's the wrecking ball of reality, Uncle Greg. <laughs> oh, Gwena, my. what's your number four? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I thought we're all kind of like, you, wah, know, wah. you know, superheroes, but yeah, I know. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. All right. So, so my number four is uh, the fourth studio album by English rock band XTC. You guys have probably heard of yes. those guys. Black Sea. It's in the order of their hedgerows. It's in the way their curtains open and close. It's in the look they give you down. How about that one, guys? How about that you one? You heard this one? That was one Good of day. my eight. And you knew I was going to pick it, so that's why you left it to me. I thought so, perhaps. Uh, this is actually the follow-up to the previous year's uh, Drums and Wires record but this album actually focuses more on guitars and expanding sound drums with more of a economical arrangements written you know with the band's uh, concert performances in mind so black sea was recorded at uh, virgin's townhouse studio in london with steve lillywild isn't that the guy from u2 again yeah man he's all over the place man he's incredible Partridge devised the Black Sea as a reference to his emotional state while, you know, com composing the record itself. And from 80 to 81, the, the band supported the album on tour as an opening act for the police. What a great show that would have been. That would have been a woman to see, guys. But his fatigue worsened and XTC seized uh, touring by 82 and stuff. So, But Black Sea was uh, critically acclaimed to remain XTC's second highest charting British album placing number 16 on the UK, as well as one of their most successful US, or actually the most successful United States record, peaking at number 41, and spawned three singles, Generals and Majors, Towers of London, Sergeant Rock. Also Respectable Street was banned for its references due to abortion, and a Sony Entertainment Center? That's kind of weird. What's all that about? Have you heard about that? I have not. Only in the lyrics. I didn't yeah. know it was banned. Though. You know, this record sold pretty, pretty good. It was, it was stayed on the charts for seven weeks and spent 24 weeks in the U.S. on the Billboard 200. The music videos for Towers of London Generals and Majors, Respectable Street, and uh, were all were all videos. And uh, actually, the lead single uh, after filming the video, Virgin decided to change his plans and actually release Generals and Majors first. From My number four for the top five albums from 1980, XTC Black Sea, guys. Great pick. Great Love it. I've got mine in the brown paper bag still. Oh, do you really? Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> All right, Brett, you're up for your number four. All right. My number four album this week is Underwater Moonlight by Cambridge, England psych pop weirdos, the soft boys. Although this record did nothing upon its release in June of 1980, the Soft Boy's second album has gone on to become regarded as a classic. And it's impossible not to hear its influence on the college rock, Paisley Underground, and jangle pop scenes of the 80s. At its finest, it's somewhat like Sid Barrett fronting a post-punk version of the Beatles or the Birds, although now that I say that, I realize that it doesn't quite do justice to the sheer originality of the album. For all of Robin Hitchcock's classic pop smarts, it's his knack for marrying those fantastic melodies 
to surreal lyrics that really sets him apart as a songwriter. Some examples on this album, You've been laying eggs under my skin. Now they're hatching out under my chin. Mm-mm, said the dentures to the peach. And you grow out of me like a plant. All right, that's a little weird. The album is full of quirky pop pleasures from the great anti-war opener, I Want to Destroy You, to positive vibrations, to queen of eyes, and a few little unsettling oddities like insanely jealous and old pervert. But it is always a unique, fun, funny, and thoroughly engrossing listen. After this album, the Soft Boys would splinter and Robin Hitchcock would, of course, enjoy a prolific solo career that continues to this day. And guitarist Kimberly Rue would go on to form The Waves, soon to be known as Katrina and the Waves. And the former Soft Boys guitarist is responsible for writing their biggest and best songs, including Going Down to Liverpool, Do You Want Crying?, and Walking on Sunshine. As an aside, if you only know Katrina and the Waves from the glossy mid-80s remake of Walking on Sunshine that soundtracked many a movie montage, check out the Waves' first couple of albums, which includes the earlier, raw, or better version of that hit, alongside a whole slew of other great guitar pop songs. But I digress, back to Underwater Moonlight. Check out the 2001 or 2010 reissue of the album for a generous helping of bonus tracks for this absolute classic. So that's my number four, Underwater Moonlight by The Soft Boys. To check it out. Oh, it's that's a great one. I love the influences. Ah. Ah. Hey, guys, you know, last week we counted down our top five album closers. We did? We did. We did. That was uh, episode that. 16. Right. And we're at episode 17. Well, Gareth Metcalf, he went to the official Only Three Lads Facebook page, and he gave us his top five. You want to hear him? Yes. I bet that you do. Okay, did you listen to our last episode on the top five album closers? Well, Gareth Metcalf sure did, and he shared his top five with us. They are R.E.M., Find the River, Shed Seven, On an Island with You, The Stone Roses, I Am the Resurrection, The House Martins, Bill, and The Charlatans, Sprost and Green. That's a great list, Gareth. All right, everybody, keep them coming. Now back to the show. Go to the official Facebook page of the Only Three Lads podcast. Give us your list, maybe for this week, your top five albums of 1980. Coming back, we have our number three and two songs for this week's list. So we'll be back in two and two. People, forty years ago. (laughs) Your youth, no shake, no stems, no seeds. Hey, bud, let's party. (laughs) But we all evolve. Of course, I'm doing laundry. Saturday night is laundry night. Rack up cool points with only three lads. It is time for your only three lads, music news. Machine Gun Kelly and Travis Barker of Blink-182 releasing a cover of Rage Against the Machine's Killing in the Name of in response to the death of George Floyd. The music video features footage of them taking part in protest. The video ends with a screen that says, End Systematic Racism. Tool are officially canceling their North American tour in an effort to put some money into fans' wallets. The band releasing a statement saying there just isn't any certainty in rescheduling dates because of the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. And punk titan Iggy Pop wants Congress to outlaw the private ownership of tigers, lions, and other big cats. Iggy has signed a petition to ask Congress to pass the Big Cat Public Safety Act. The act gained publicity earlier this year thanks to the popular Netflix docuseries Tiger King. And that is your only three lads music news. Are you the police? No, ma'am. We're musicians. Welcome back to the Only Three Lads podcast. You know, you can find us anywhere. We're on all the platforms. Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, Apple Podcast, and the iHeartRadio app. I'm Uncle Greg. We have Brett Vargo and we have Bueno. And we're counting down our... Yes. Who? We have have Brett Vargo. What? Brett? Okay. I just wanted to make sure Brett was Get still with us. toilet face. Yeah, 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 say yeah. It's not like Vinny Barbarino there. That's <laughs> 70s. Well, I guess we're 74 to 99, so it fits right in. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, well, kind of flexible between those twenty-five years. Yes, he does. <laughs> my hair, my hair, man. Don't touch the hair. <laughs> Top five albums of nineteen eighty. That's what we're counting down today so far. Where's the beef? I like our list. <laughs> the what? Where's the beef? That was eighties. Yeah, yeah, that was eighties. Remember 80s. that? Wendy's, Wendy's, yeah. Wendy's, Wendy's commercial. Where's the old lady the flying back in the back seat. Where's your beef? <laughs> you guys ready for my number yes. three? Yes, <laughs> we've never been more ready. <laughs> All right. Well, my number three, uh, I'm sure this album didn't make anyone else's list, but I have loved this band since my love for music began. And of course, my number three of the top five albums of 1980, B-52's Wild Planet. I'm oh, sorry, what did you say? The B-52's Wild Planet. And you said what? Nobody's going to have that one? Well, maybe maybe you do. I didn't think anybody would. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, and I shouldn't assume. No, you shouldn't Because it can make an ass out of myself. But that's what it is. I would just assume that. So you ready? I'll, I'll, I'll say my number three while you're doing your number three, too, at the same time. So we're going to talk about Wild Planet. Go ahead. Okay. Number three. Number three. B-52's. B-52's Wild Planet. Uh, there you go. Look at that. We are on the wow. same page. Yeah. Now, of course, uh, Bueno, I'm just going to say this, that Wild Planet was the follow-up to the B-52's musical Neutron Bomb debut album that was Yellow released album. a year earlier in 1980. And John Lennon called the B-52's his favorite band inside of the song Rock Lobster as an inspiration for his comeback with Double Fantasy. So, of course, Wild Planet built off that momentum. Private Idaho, Party Out of Bounds, Give Me Back My Man were the singles, but deeper cuts that still stand the test of time for me. Uh, Quiche Lorraine, Running Strobe Around, uh, 53 light. Miles West of Venus. And of course, the one thing that I still haven't done is the song Strobe Light, but I still plan on doing that because I remember hearing that song for the first time. It's like my weenus, it doesn't only pee. And I wanted to try that strobe light thing, and I still have to do it, and that's still on my bucket list. But B-52 is one of my favorite bands, Wild Planet, one yes. of my favorite albums of 1980. Number three. My number three is also Wild Planet, Uncle Greg, crossover. You know, after uh, they did their first album, they actually traveled uh, to Compass Studios in the Bahamas again to record Wild Planet. Several of the songs from that album had, were actually concert staples for them since 1978. And the band deliberately did not record them on their first album, knowing that they had too many excellent tracks. And they wanted a really strong second album, as you know, that they did. most of whom regarded it as, as the strongest second album following the success of their first album. And it, it actually quickly turned gold. And of course, Uncle Greg mentioned there were three singles and of course, Quiche Lorraine and uh, actually Strobe Light also, in my opinion, should have been, there should have been five singles off of that record. Number 18 in both the US and the UK album charts actually went gold October 21st, 1981. And that's my number three for the top five albums from 1980, B-52's Wild Planet. Great Uncle Greg. What an yeah. intelligent pick, Bueno. The same number. Well, gee, guys, <laughs> you'll never guess what my number three is. What's your number three? It's not Wild Planet by the Vegas. No. Oh, man. So. You so, got everybody excited there for I like know. a second. And you just, you just, oh, it's all God. a part of the grand illusion. All right. I well, know. this episode makes me so very happy because I finally feel justified to include an album by one of my four all time favorite musicians. In fact, if push came to shove and Bueno was going to clock me for it because of the scope of his entire career, I would say he is my very favorite musician of all time. And surely that has to be a giveaway for you guys. Don't call me Shirley. Okay. You got a guess? McCartney. Ah, yes. The record is McCartney 2, released in May of 1980. Find for me someone strong and sweet fitting on my knee. She can keep her job. Now, 
I could spend an entire episode talking about my love for this album, but I promise I won't. That's okay. McCartney 2 is an extremely polarizing album amongst Paul's fans. Many hate it for its sheer weirdness and its embracing of new wave and synth pop. Of course, that downplays the fact that McCartney's entire career has been laced with restless experimentation and quirkiness. Recorded at home in 1979, McCartney holed himself up with synthesizers, sequencers, guitars, drums played in the loo, two microphones, and a 16-track tape machine, and committed 20 tracks total that were intended to be private recordings for Paul to play in his car. Fast forward to January 1980, McCartney was busted for marijuana possession as he arrived in Tokyo for Wings Japanese Tour, resulting in a cancellation of the tour and a nine-day jail stint. Yeah, like seven pounds on him or something. I don't know the exact amount, but it was like seven pounds. It wasn't much. It was 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 a considerable amount. It was enough to get Paul through a couple days. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, he's a rock and roll guy. Come on. Uh But with the future of his band now in limbo, McCartney 2 was issued, consciously dubbed as a sequel to 1970s home recorded album entitled McCartney. It was a success by any artist's standards who is not named Paul McCartney. It hit number one in the UK and number three in the US on the back of the Smash single coming up, with Columbia Records in North America opting to release a more straight-laced live rendition by Wings instead of the hopped-up new wave of the album version. But the record didn't have much staying power on the charts, nor was it exactly well received by critics for its eccentric left turns, which is exactly the same reason why I love it so much. The LP is full of synth pop oddities like Temporary Secretary and Dark Room and electronic instrumentals. The album also contains three of McCartney's most beautiful ballads in Waterfalls, Summer's Day Song, and One of These Days, but even those have a homegrown haunting quality that prevents them from being anything but straightforward. McCartney 2 has since been cited as a highly influential record for legions of indie poppers, was named number 26 on Mojo Magazine's list of the top 50 eccentric albums, Pitchfork ranked it at number 186 on their best albums of the 80s, I know. And critic Stephen Dalton called it, quote, an alluringly weird mashup of trip hop, kraut rock, and synth pop. Wow. So for the complete experience, check out the 2011 Archive Edition, which restores additional session tracks, full-length unedited versions, and the magnificent B-sides Check My Machine and Secret Friend. And that's my number three, McCartney 2 by my man, Paul McCartney. I just want to point something out, okay? Yes, please. And how things change in 40 years. Paul McCartney went to jail for something that has been called for the last few months an essential business. Yeah. So that's how things have changed in 40 years with music, Mm -hmm. rock and roll. Maybe Japan would have, I don't know if it's changed there, but here definitely. We all have to be high to deal with what's going on in this country at this point. (laughs) And you know, I didn't say anything because I wanted to give Paul McCartney a second a silencer because he's that much of a master, but uh, I love that guy. Just look at the, the critical reappraisal that albums that were really critical failures like not only McCartney 2 but Ram uh, <laughs> Wings Life Wildlife Wildlife yeah Wildlife yeah, yeah. I mean I now mean, these albums are revered as being like these proto indie rock rough you know homegrown gems so it's about dang time like Backseat of My Car and, yeah Backseat of My Car is a masterpiece now would you guys agree with this statement Paul McCartney probably the most important person in music in the last 50 60 years I would I would further that and say that Paul McCartney is the most important person in music history but that's just but that's just me yeah. <laughs> what about you uh, yeah, I, you know, but I mean, I would agree with that too, but I would just, I mean, they got to wrap the other three three lads in there with well, you too, do. but you know, but otherwise by himself, yeah. But right. uh, of course we both know he wouldn't have the, ex- the success he has today probably without uh, the other three lads. What? It's true. He's, he's never put out a Ringo the Fourth. Yeah. You know, just like if I went out on my own and stuff, would I have success without you guys? Hell no. That's why I'm not going anywhere. That's why we're doing this together that's true we've really propped you up bueno yeah (laughs) and if you're wondering what we're talking about it's the only three lads podcast thank you for being here you guys ready for my number two yes we are oh sorry about that that's all right 
We're just yeah, going we're still counting down. Um, you know, most people didn't know this band until after the band no longer existed. But we know this band influenced more music than most bands, even with its short existence. My number two of the top five albums of 1980, Joy Division's Closer. Now, we all love that contrast. Slow, fast, salty, sweet, happy, sad. This album has gloomy lyrics with dancehall rhythms. Uh, the album was released two months to the day of the suicide by Ian Curtis. Uh, some say that people should have seen it coming with the album Closer. But I guess hindsight's 2020. When listening to his lyrics, you hear that melodrama, the paranoia, the depression. And Curtis's singing sounds like he's singing beyond the grave. I listened to this album earlier today once again joy division what else can you say one of the most important bands of the post-punk era and just a great album we're inside now our hearts lost forever not replace the fear nor the thrill of the chase some people like their first one better I don't know if this one's better, but I do know it's number two on my list of the top five albums of 1980. I love them both. Didn't Brett, didn't we say that he was going to pick that one? Didn't we say Uncle Greg was going to uh, pick that Yes, one? that was on my predictions for Uncle Greg. Mine too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's another yeah. reason why it was one of one of the eight that I was rotating was out. my top 12 for sure. I was yeah. listening the other day to an absolutely chilling old John Peel clip where he announced Ian Curtis's death on air. Mm. Um, since shivered oh, down your spine. I think I heard that. Yeah. It was May, May 18th, 1980. Yeah. And they played uh, New Dawn Fades because, of course, Closer was not out yet at that time. Right. No. Neither yeah. was Level Terrace Apart again because that was a single release. That was a really, between, really or, yeah, came out yeah, later. That, that, that was released in June and then Closer was released in July. Yep. yep. Right as they were planning a U.S. tour yep. with the Buzzcocks. Yeah. Oh, my God. That would have been incredible. <sighs> yeah. What could have been? See what fame does to us sometimes, guys? Not me. All right, Bueno. I'm just looking for a little bit of fame. (laughs) Right, guys? You got it with us. Yeah. Well, there you go. So my number two uh, is by a band called The Pretenders. And we've actually talked about this. In the UK, this was released in 1980. The US was released in 79. So... I'm going with the UK version released under Real Records, uh, January 7th. I like the way you cross the street, cause you're precious. Moving through the Cleveland heat, how precious. I actually own the original 7-inch The Weight single. That is an incredible single. If you ever find that, you need to grab that. That is also very rare because it's a totally different version than from the album. It's a lot faster paced. It's incredible. So actually, I went to the show on September 4th in 1981 at the Santa Monica Civic Center. And the next day, me and my buddy Jim uh, drove to Santa Barbara a pretty good chance to meet the pretenders since he was the manager of licorice pizza in Reseda and the in-store was at the licorice pizza in Santa Barbara. So uh, let's go back to the show, but uh, back to the show during the, I can't remember what song, but drummer Martin Chambers actually lost one of his drumsticks. And and I watched that drumstick fly in the air and actually cut uh, bassist Pete Farnan on the right side of his face. Yeah, I know. And when I saw them the next morning, I mentioned to him, I said, huh, pretty good drumming mistake you made there. And, and Pete looked up at me and he says, yeah, I got five stitches because of him to close the cut. <laughs> so for me, that was one of the biggest bucket list items I ever had in my life, completed meeting the pretenders. And, you know, I wish Chrissy was just a little less stuck up on herself. But, you know, what can you do? She's beautiful and I love her and stuff. combination of rock punk and pop music this album made the band famous the the album features you know stop your sobbing the singles kid and brass and pocket 
and this is pretty funny, but I didn't know if you guys knew this, but Nick Lowe actually produced the Pretenders for a single Stop Your Sobbing. Yes, yes. But he decided not to work with them again after he thought the band was going nowhere. So Oops. Chris Thomas took over the recording sessions, and yeah, they went somewhere to the top of the charts is where they went with their first album, and it was started at number one for the first week of its release and stayed there for four weeks. It also made the top 10 on the Billboard 200, certified platinum during 1982. And actually, the album's been named one of the best albums of all time, number 52. So sold over a million units in the United States. My number two, The Pretenders, first album. That was on my short list. Oh, incredible record. I'm saving it for 1979. Yep. <laughs> One of the stories I love go. about Chrissy Hine is, of course, we know she's from Ohio. Yep. And when she went to Europe, she told her parents she's not coming back until she's famous. <laughs> and then she went to Europe, got The Pretenders together, put out that album. She didn't come home for seven years, but when she came home, she was famous. It's like that I whole put it into the universe thing. Yeah. yeah, but what a great song and what a great musician she is. And thank God that we still have her around. I would like to see them go on tour at some point. They, I think they are again. Yeah, they, they are. They were going to. to. New yeah, album has been go. postponed till July, but it will be here yep. soon enough. Yep. I'm going. Yeah. Yeah. In 2021. Heck yeah. Oh, and uh, Glenn Wilkerson is actually touring with them now, too. Actually, he used to be with Squeeze. Oh, really? Hmm. Yeah, so he's he's playing bass for them now. The so. advanced tracks released yeah. from that album are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sound pretty hip. I love them. Well, heard, like, perhaps Nick Lowe was a little bit preoccupied producing my number two album. I bet he was. You, you think? You think? All right. Well, depending on who you believe, my number two album may be the greatest musical apology note ever, and it is Get Happy by Elvis <laughs> Costello and the Attraction. You won't take my love. It's released in Never February. heard of them. I know. Never I heard of them. Nor have I. I just picked them at random. <laughs> released in February 1980. From the Barney Bubbles artwork, including intentional ring wear, to the 20 tracks contained within the record grooves, Get Happy was an endearing homage to Stax, Motown, and other 60s soul and R&B with touches of ska and blue beat, and all played with typical Attraction's ferocious energy. Whether you believe that it was a conscious effort or not, the album came shortly after Elvis had an unfortunate stain on his reputation following a drunken argument with Stephen Stills and Bonnie Bramlett, in which he obnoxiously made racial slurs against James Brown and Ray Charles. Don't ever do that, Elvis. You should no. know better. No. Whether despite or because of his grave indiscretion, Get Happy is a loving tribute to the music that has actually influenced Elvis throughout his career. One of the most consistent, most popular albums in the man's catalog, Elvis's fourth album contains some of his best songs. Love for Tender, Possession, High Fidelity, Temptation, the list goes on. signature lyricism and cunning wordplay is on dazzling display here and his words are married to classic songcraft, easily laying to rest any pigeonholing of Elvis as simply an angry young man. However, it wouldn't have been nearly as successful without the confident backing of the attractions who two years into their stint had really come into their own as a cohesive unit. Steve Naive, a keyboard talent who can adapt to any musical style, fills the album with enough tasty organ and piano lines to make Booker T proud. Bassist Bruce Thomas, as mentioned a couple of episodes ago, is able to recreate the nimble fretwork of Motown's James Jamerson with ease, and Pete Thomas always provides a solid backbeat slash workout. The album was well-received commercially, going to number two in the UK and number 11 in the US, and has received many critical accolades throughout the decades, being included not only amongst the greatest albums of the 80s, but of all time. This 
represents a particularly fruitful time in Elvis in the attraction's career, so seek out the 2003 Rhino Edition, which expands the already generous 20 tracks of the original to a whopping 50 tracks. And vinyl lovers, look out for the Mobile Fidelity audiophile reissue from a few years ago, which spreads the album out over four sides, cut at 45 RPM. So that is my number two, Get Happy by Elvis, and it makes me happy. Get happy. Hell yeah. yeah. I knew I knew he would end up on your list. Yes. Oh, heck no yeah. Way. That was a yeah. natural. That was a given. Mm-hmm. That was one of the other givens. Well, we're almost there. Our top album of 1980 here on the Only Three Lads podcast. Once again, go to our Facebook page. Make sure and like our page. Hit notifications. You can put your ideas there for one of our top five lists. You can put your top five list on there, maybe for this week, of your favorite albums of 1980. But our top albums of that year coming up right after this. Hey, man, we're coming back with our number ones, man. So hang on. As the world starts to come out of its COVID-induced funk, new music will be there to help us heal. First, an explosive new track by Elvis Costello entitled No Flag is now available on streaming services. The track was recorded by Costello alone in Helsinki, Finland in February, and Costello promises the next installment of the story on July 10th. Also out in July will be the postponed new albums from the Psychedelic Furs and the Pretenders, as well as a reissue of the David Bowie Project Tin Machine's second album from 1991, and a 3-CD box set from Cherry Red Records covering the early days of synthpop. And in August, we can look forward to newly announced albums by The Waterboys and Erasure. We are back, the Only Three Lads podcast. Thank you for being here. We are counting down our top five albums of 1980. I'm Uncle Greg. We have Brett Vargo. We have Bueno. And we are at our number one songs of that year. Are you guys? <laughs> well, n- number one albums. But number one they, albums. they contain the number one songs. Well, Did he but, say but the songs? I said songs. He said songs. did not. I did. I'm going to have to cut right that out. Shock horror. He's ready for my number yes. one. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> Let's go. Well, of course, uh, this band, the way I found them, MTV as a kid, and I love them. It's the Pride of New Zealand, Split Ends, True Color, my number one album wow. of 1980. Now, Neil and Tim Finn, this was the band's first major commercial success. True Colors uh, was the band's fifth album, so they deserved it for a long time. Of I course, the promo video crazy. for the song, One Step Ahead is one of the first videos ever played on the first day of MTV, which was launched August 1st, 1981. I Got You was another huge U.S. hit, drenched with that new wave sensibility. I Hope I Never, the haunting Hard on Your Sleeve love song, some call Tim Finn's finest moment. A Poor Boy, another song which I'm sure that Brett knows all about because this is three and a half minutes of pure pop bliss. What more can the poor boy do? The, poor boy the True Colors is an album that gave split ends the music credibility that they just deserve for a really long time. And some might think this is blasphemy, but I'm going to say it anyways. But Neil and Tim Finn, while in the split ends, their output was way better than the far more globally popular Crowded House. So split ends. Love that band, have loved it since I was a tween, watching it on MTV, watching those songs. But that's my top album of 1980, Split Ends, True Colors. Are those fighting words, Bueno? You're going to start something with that one. Man, it's going to be Steve Hackett all over again. Uh It happens. Yeah, but I I incidentally agree with you. I love Crowded House, but Split Ends. I I love Crowded House, too. That's where I met Neil Finn. Standing right there as well, Rebecca's going to be all over you, Uncle Greg. Well, that's right. all right. Yeah. Well, I think, well, you know, we could all have different, you know, different opinions. That's what makes us, we don't agree with our parents growing up. So, how is someone's going to have oh, to hell agree no. with me? That's what makes this world great, our differences. Yeah. That's what makes this podcast we fun. Are the world. <laughs> Hands across America. Remember that one? Go on, go. Hands across America. <laughs> so, bueno. we got our uh, bueno? got but, number what's one? your number one? 
got a number one here. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder what it could be. Well, squeeze. Let's squeeze it out of you. Oh, there it is. Squeeze Archie Margie. <laughs> That third album by the UK New Wave Band, released February 1980, peaked at 32. Oh my gosh, this whole album, uh, just uh, amazing. I mean, Chris Dilford, Glenn Tilbrook, Jules Holland, John Bentley, Gilson Lavis, uh, final album together uh, with uh, Jules Holland, and then he came back in 85. I mean, 11 songs on this record. I could listen to this thing day and night constant never get tired of it it's a masterpiece you know in 1980 i was so damn lucky i met so many different artists it was one of the best years for me and uh i was actually waiting in line for this concert to see squeeze and my buddy randy geisen wherever you are dog in this world i haven't talked to you for years but uh i saw that tur- tour bus pull in and i said to him dude you gotta hold my spot i'm gonna go meet the band and i ran, ran around the corner with all their three albums in my arms getting ready to hopefully get them all signed very calmly you know not being a crazy fan and all of a sudden they all started coming off the bus one by one and they were all so cool and they all just waited to sign my records and then they passed the records left to right as i handed it to them signed all took pictures with tilbrook and, and dilford another incredible bucket list checked off and you know at the end of the show i shook uh, glenn's hand and gilson which he was so cool and we actually hit it off earlier that day when i met him god rest his soul you know they came back and did an encore and then again uh, gilson i reached up to him and i shook his hand and then the crowd again got him to come back out again for a second encore and shook gilson's hand and got a wink from him and It was a really cool connection with him. So my favorite band, I've met these guys two times in my lifetime, two super cool experiences. And if I ever get a chance to interview uh, Glenn or Chris, that would be another bucket list item checked off. So. You know, Glenn, I know you're listening. If you ever decide that you want to get interviewed by this knucklehead here, uh, definitely reach out to me. I'm also curious to know who ended up with my California RG Bargy license plate I gave to one of your roadies after that Scottsdale, Arizona concert. I sat uh, front row in 1993. So that's my number one from the top albums from 1980, Squeeze, RG Bargy. Different and Tilbrook, yep. of course, two of the greatest writers of that era. I wonder what ever happened to that Jules Holland guy. Oh, yeah. He's all over the place. He's, <laughs> he's helping with everybody. He's all over the place helping everybody. Yep. All right, Brett. All right. Sorry, one? guys. My number one at the tail end of 1980, my number one album, Sound Effects by The Jam, was released. effects with an a by the way sound effects represents the absolute peak of the jam's considerable commercial and artistic powers the album was conceived to be a cross between the beatles revolver and michael jackson's off the wall believe it or not wow of course the revolver connection is apparent from the straight lift of the taxman baseline in the number one uk single start to the psychedelic touches of dream time and scrape away to the astute social commentary of man in the corner shop and that's entertainment You'll have to dig deeper for the influence of Off the Wall, but it's bubbling under the surface, particularly evident in the increasing funkiness of Bruce Foxton's bass and the feel, if not the sound, present in Rick Buckler's drums. In short, it's Paul Weller's most focused, most cohesive collection of songs and the jam's most realized album statement. 
It's a record where their biggest influences seamlessly coalesced into a distinctive, definitive whole. Charged punk rock, melodic 60s mod pop, and sweet soul music. Every track on this album is brilliant. Cover is a marvelous piece of pop art, a send-up of BBC sound effects records, get it? And to further the Beatles connection mentioned earlier, the jam also excelled at releasing non-album singles, so you also have a clutch of classics surrounding this album, like Going Underground, Funeral Pyre, and Absolute Beginners. The jam really could do no wrong around this time. I was already familiar with the jam through my brother Brian's copy of the Compact Snap CD compilation, but I chose sound effects as the starting point for my own jam collection when I got it the summer after my sophomore year of high school in 1990. It's an album that has provided immeasurable influence and has resonated with me for 30 years. Yes, sound effects, and these songs certainly have affected my life. And therefore, I have chosen it as my number one album of 1980. Nice. Perfect. It's a perfect perfect record. record It's a perfect record to me. Yes. I love that. It's entertainment. It's a classic. That Wella. That Wella lad. I don't know what that was. (laughs) I don't know what that was either, but uh, we're all right with it. Let's run down our albums, our top five albums of 1980. Of course, my number five is the Oingo Boingo EP. Number four for me was David Bowie, Scary Monsters, and Super Creeps. Number three, I was in great company. B-52s with Wild Planet, my number two song of, or excuse me, my number two album of 1980, Joy Division Closer, and my number one album, Split Ends, True Colors. Did you almost Almost. do it again? I I didn't almost. I did do it again. Oops, he did it again. So here's my top five singles. Oh, albums of 1980. Number five, uh, Steve Hackett, Defector. Defector, not Defactor. (laughs) Number four, XTC Black Sea. Number three, crossover with Uncle Greg, B-52's Wild Planet. Number two, The Pretenders first. And number one, Squeeze, Hardy Bargy. All right, my top five. Number five, Susie and the Banshees, Kaleidoscope. Number four, The Soft Boys, Underwater Moonlight. Number three, Paul McCartney, McCartney 2. Number two, Elvis Costello and the Attractions, Get Happy. And number one, The Jam Sound Effects. One thing's for sure, a great year for music, 1980. Mm-hmm. 15 great choices, guys. Well, 14. Or 14, because we had, had the crossover. But yep. you know what? Wild Planet is so great, it counts twice. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an amazing record. Yep. Brett, let's hit that 030 randomizer, see what we're talking about next week. How does that thing work again? You like put like the button there and you click it or, or you bang, yeah, bank I, I, it with I, a... I click a button. It's very... <laughs> It's very, like, sophisticated or what? This is super high tech. Okay. So you take, like, one of those big rubber mallets that weigh nothing and you hit it as hard as you can? it's like whack-a-mole. Okay, yeah. Sometimes, guys, Uh things work out perfectly. So it's heating up outside. When we're recording this, it's the beginning of June. Next episode, we will be talking about our top five summer songs. Songs that, for you, evoke that summer feeling hmm. mtv huh. videos I'm, some are flashing in my brain right now what year or any year any 74 any to 99 so 74 to 99 so the first song that comes into my mind is summer of love B 52s yes all right yeah well we'll see yeah. if it makes your yeah. list next week yeah i don't know if it will but i mean just let's see all right well hey guys thanks for joining us here on the only three lads podcast don't forget make sure and go to our facebook page we want to hear your top five summer songs you guys have anything else to say gosh um no i know you got anything oh i got wait no do you (laughs) (laughs) yeah come on world let's get it together man I mean, just we need to love right now and stop all the hate and the fights and everything. We all need to love each other, period. End of story. We could do it. Please. Let's love each other. Oh, and by the way, be bueno. The theme music is Frequency, written and performed by yours truly, Brett Vargo. 
Any other music in this episode is presented solely for purposes of review, examination, and news reporting. If you like what you hear, go to your record store and pick up the LP, CD, cassette, or 8-track, or stream it if you're one of those newfangled fancy pants. If we're lucky enough to still have these artists with us, go out and see some live music. For the latest updates, join the O3L community at facebook.com slash only3lads. We want to hear from you. And while you're at it, click on the Shop Now link for the coolest threads. Until next time, thanks for listening. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.